Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are hardwired to change the world. You are listening to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show, and I am Rahasia Uncensored where we look at the world not as it is, but as we know it can be, if and only if we have the courage to question the answers we've been given. This is our world, and it's time for us to take it back. Okay, thanks to all of you for joining in to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show. And today we're going to be interviewing PMH Atwater, and um, here's a little bit about PMH. She's an international authority on near-death states. PMH Atwater is the author of 10 books. Her writings have also appeared in numerous magazines and newspapers, The Lotus Guide being one of them now. And she has lectured twice to the United Nations and guested on TV and radio talk shows such as Sally Jesse Raphael, Larry King Live, Entertainment Tonight, Geraldo, and recently she was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists and the Outstanding Service Award from the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Uh, I guess, are you still sitting on their board? No, I'm not. Yeah, you were there for a two-term board member. Yes, I'm two-term. And uh, you also have a Facebook page, which is P-M-H-N-D-E, which is a really interesting Facebook page, by the way. Um, we first became familiar with you when Inner Traditions uh, was sending us books. And one of the books we uh, first reviewed was The Children, uh, New Children and Near-Death Experiences, uh, which was a really great book. But this book, uh, the Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact really caught our attention because when, when you're going back that far in a person's life, you know, and these experiences seem to be not like dreams. Dreams sort of fragment, like at all. fade away. They seem nope. to stay with these people over a lifetime. Well, it's a pattern of after effects. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And um, so we're going to get into it from there, but uh, maybe we can start right here. What do you mean when you say we are the children of the fifth world? Oh, well, you, you, you've skipped a book here. And <clears throat> that's a study I did of, of um, ordinary children. You know, I, I, I kept noticing that those children born from about 1982 on seem to be like near-death kids and I couldn't figure out what right <laughs> this can't be so I did a separate research study on those children of the fifth world and when you're uh and when you're looking at that then you're getting into these rhythms of birthing cycles of certainly um various types of prophecy um, but but you're really looking at what's happening now, and and these these when you compare that with myth, with um, with various um, prophecies and guidance that we have from the esoteric world, from the metaphysical world, even astrological. Then, then you get to looking at this idea of worlds that there's been predicted at, at least seven, seven worlds that humankind will go through as a species. Um, we're now in, I believe, the fifth. Uh, some people say the sixth and they go off on talking about indigo, indigo kids. Well, that's fine and dandy. Uh, <laughs> you can go that route if you want to. But um, you need to look a little bit further and a little bit deeper and realize that when we're talking about indigo kids, we're labeling these right. new children who are very, very different. And I'm saying 
please take all of these characteristics or all these titles, indigo kids, psychic kids, you know, crystal kids, on and on and on, toss them out the door. Then take those characteristics they embody, put them together, and you have the new kids. This is what they are. They're different in society. I believe from my research and the research of others that the human race is evolving. And we are evolving in certain ways and certain types and, and certain um, uh, characteristics. You can track them, you can research them. That's what I did in the book, Children of the Fifth World. I invite anybody and everybody to read that. However, I wanna just jump right in here and say the latest research just blows my mind. When I say the latest, I mean in the last few weeks is that they are now able to show that, um, that our, our newest youngsters, um, let's say from about, oh, maybe uh, from 2000 on, uh, but, but even more recent, are losing the ability to analyze they're losing logic. And that to me is just like thunderstruck. What? Our new kids are losing logic? And the reason is the computer. They are able to get any kind of information anywhere and everywhere. They're able to answer their questions without having to think it through. Right. They're not anymore analyzing and going through the steps of analysis to prove anything. They just get the answer from the computer, the computer. And that is actually hurting them. It's yeah, hurting society. You know what, you know what, CMH, what, what you're saying right now, I've touched on this in the past. And, and I think there's a cognitive process there that we're, we're not nourishing, you know, like, my subtitle of my podcast is questioning our answers. I like to get people to just question what yeah. is coming because yeah. they lose it. The, and I've noticed this, you know, thinking about what you just said about young kids, we live in a, a pretty big college town. The young kids that I talk to, it sounds like they're using logic and rationality, but they're not. They use that as a mechanism to try to convince you that they're right. But if you get into the logic and the, the rationality mechanism itself, it doesn't work. It, it's not there. You can't get them to think anymore. And they're waiting for me to tell them what to think. And that's yeah. the wrong thing to do. Oh, it is freaky. It is absolutely freaky. And it will affect us in the next presidential ele election. So many young people will be voting uh, and these are people who have not thought through what they're for and what they're against. And it's just, um, you know, it's like, whoa, <laughs> I wish somehow we could get this across to parents, but especially to the kids themselves. I mean, you know, get out there in the garage if you want and, and, and make a race car or make a, um, an object of some kind that you have to think through the process of creating it, that it's right. real, that you can feel it in your hands, that you can do it yourself. And until more people do that, um, our country and perhaps the world will be dealing with the human race in ways we've never seen them, in ways we've never dealt with them before, in ways that it will be very, very easy to trick them. It will be very easy to lie to them. It will be very easy to tip the process of evolution and the human race. And yeah. I, I'm concerned about that. Yeah, so, so am I, PMH, because what we're going through right now, I, I was, blown away by yeah. how fast the whole planet could submit to something that 
scientists and researchers are saying it, it's a flu. It might be a little more dangerous, a little more contagious, but what it's doing to this planet, it's going to take decades to pull ourselves out of this. And the, the uh, child molesting that's happening in homes, the, the kids that normally depend upon school lunches and breakfasts, the, all the interaction with other kids, they're getting afraid of breathing uh, air, they're being afraid of being with other kids. This is not good psychologically. We've got to reopen the schools. Yeah, we, we have to. We've we got have to. to. Yeah, because they're the least vulnerable to begin with. And I mean, I don't know, we live isolated anyway. We live in the middle of a forest up in Megalia. So it hasn't Where's really, that? Where's that? it's up. Okay, you know where Chico is? No, what's Chico? It, Chico is a, a town between Sacramento and Redding. Oh, so we're in California. Yeah, Northern California. Then up, up above that is Paradise, which we totally yeah. burned the whole town down yeah. uh, in yeah. 2018. <laughs> then we live up in Megalia, which is up, up above all of this. Yeah. So we get a good perspective of what's going on. And, and it's strange, too. When you go to Megalia, hardly anybody's wearing a mask. Go to Paradise, a uh, few people. Go to Chico, more people. And you get into the big cities, and they're all wearing masks, walking around. like It's, it's so strange to me because I, I'm seeing people being told what to do. And I can tell you from five minutes chatting with anybody, I can tell you exactly what news programs they watch, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, or the alternative media. Well, I wear masks, certainly, if I'm in a store um, and getting groceries or running an errand, uh, but certainly not here at home, certainly not in the car. <laughs> yeah, I see them wearing it in a car. Friends that, you know, we know. But I, I certainly do it as a social, um, as a as a way of honoring people socially because they do they are frightened, um, and there's a certain amount of logic here. But even so, uh, my concern is people to people and with kids, they have to be taught by a human being that is physically emoting. They can't get it from the box. They can't get it from the computer. All they're going to be getting is surface stuff, and they're going to lose more logic. And <clears throat> for the human race, that's not good. No, it's not. It, and it's going to last a long time. So let's get, let's get you back on track. I know I jerked <laughs> you off the, the track here. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I, I want to get back to that because there's some things that Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden told me about genetics of some of the younger kids coming in and us as a society that I think you might find really interesting. Well, so, have you read the book Children of the Fifth World? Because I have a lot of that stuff in the book. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah, very good book. And, and I, well, okay, let's go, let's go to your, your book right now. So shows you know we don't just have to do this show <laughs> that's true we could do a whole show on, on genetics and 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 what we think of our past heritage hardly any of it's true hardly any of it's true that's amazing so um tell me about your latest book so the people can know a little bit about what that book is about because it's a great book we wrote this art or you wrote this article it's in this this issue oh very good very yep. good yeah, and on the on the front cover we have uh, about regenerative agriculture because I, I was trying to think of something that would be what what is it that touches everything that could really help the planet and regenerative agriculture touches everything our finances yeah. our soil health our body health and even our national security so we can grow our own food you know but very good article <laughs> that is a biggie well, if you're talking about the human race, but specifically, if you're talking about children, um, I would really urge people to not only get the book, but read it. 
of the Forever Angels near-death experiences in childhood and their lifelong impact. Um, that book is going to turn everybody on their ear because it really gives us another way of looking at the near-death experience, another way of looking at life, another way of looking at childhood, another way of lo looking at growing up. And it's going to challenge the, um, the ideas we have, some of the um, uh, druthers that, that we um, hold dear. Um, and it's certainly going to challenge what we think we know about the near-death experience. And I say that for these two reasons. That book is really two books in one. You, you were talking about the other one, the first one, a little while ago. Um, the New Children and Near-Death Experiences. That's a study I did in the 80s, primarily. And it was about near-death experiences in childhood. And most of, uh, most of the people in that study were indeed the very young. Uh, even little kids, the youngest I personally worked with was kindergarten age on up in their 20s and so forth. In other words, the young looking forward. In this latest book, The Forever Angels, I'm going after that same group of kids who are now in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So they're now mature adults. They're looking back. So the first study looking forward, the second study looking back. This book, there's no other study like it that has ever been done on our planet or in this particular field of research because it gives you the full round. We've never had the full round before. Uh, we've had near-death experiencers, teenagers, adults talking about their experiences. We've had children talking about their experiences, but we've never had the full round from birth until people in their 80s. So this is it. For the first time, we have the full round. And, and what I did with this latest research is really stay with people who had near-death experiences between birth and the age of five. So I'm talking about the little bitty ones. And in my first study that I did, even though I was looking for birth to age 18, uh, most of the people who particip participated were seven and younger. And most of those were from birth to 15 months, <clears throat> three to five years. So I could easily take the bulk of the material in that book and use it to balance the new ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> And in so doing, you're hit in the face right away by looking at the near-death experience in ways, and life and death, in ways that we simply have never done for any import at all. Um, because the... the the, the little ones birth to uh, five years do not, well, they have no before. Right. You know, they have nothing to compare. And so they're coming in. A few of them talk about reincarnation. There's some stories in the book and some beautiful drawings in, in the book about past lives, but very few. Most of them are not interested in reincarnation at all, period, zip. They come in still in the light. And their biggest challenge is to figure out what a human being is. And, and, and to figure out how to live in the earth plane. Because they really have no precursor and it's hard for them to sort of figure out and catch on what their parents are teaching them and what they're learning in school because they know more than their parents do and they know more than the teachers do. So you're looking at a whole different class of human beings, if you will. 
that are coming in with a steady reality of, of the, the life continuum. Yeah, you know what? I, I think at some point, if we continue to evolve, we're going to look back and realize that it's probably not all that good to concentrate on intellectual cognitive thinking on a five-year-old. You know, we probably should let them be for a few years instead of well, teaching them the ABCs. <laughs> if they're a near-death kid, they're going to know more than you anyway. Right. Um, what, what I found, some of the after effects of these kids, is that the mind blowers because <laughs> they're coming in smarter than anybody else. You know, many of them look at the, 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 the doctor who's delivering them <laughs> and, and they know all about or they know some things about that doctor and they'll be critiquing the doctor. Um, very seldom do they fit the family. 90% do not bond with parents. That's right. huge. That doesn't mean that they don't love their parents. It just means they don't bond with them. They don't stick with them in the sense of understanding them at all. In fact, usually, again, they usually know more than the parents do. So they're bonding more with the collective consciousness that they came from, probably. Very much collective. They're, they're very much part of the collective still. But it's not the collective in the sense of reincarnation. Right. But the collective in the sense of still being in that light, that knowingness of the light. And so it's, it's kind of hard for them to integrate. And that's what they're doing is trying to integrate back in. Um, so one of the biggies when we come to integration with, with, with adults, let's say, it takes the average adult seven to 10 years to integrate their near-death experience. It takes the average child 20 to 40. Children do not integrate, they compensate. They do everything they can to fit in and try to match or, 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 or please or find out or discover what the adults expect of them. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it turns around the learning curve. And, when, and one of the things I found, you're going to love this, one of the things I found with, with these kids, I'd say maybe about 60% of them, although I can't say for sure, a large amount of them come back abstracting. <laughs> but by the first grade, most of them are abstracting. Let, let, me get, let me give you an example of how weird this can be. Okay, I, it, in my case studies, I have a boy in... Um, um, north of Atlanta, Georgia, I forget what the town is. He drowns during the school year, uh, about halfway through the school year. He recovers and is finally able to come back to school. So, <laughs> what is it his schoolmates are reading? C Spot Run, Dick and Jane, right? He's coming back reading Greek mythology, fully understands it. And he goes up to his teacher and he says, why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? <laughs> teacher goes into a state of shock. Right. <laughs> they had to pull the kid out of the first grade. So that's an example of abstracting. Um, they are understanding concepts at a very tiny little age. Kindergarten, toddlers, babies. And they're coming back ever so much smarter. Most of them smarter. Um, in my first study that I did, <clears throat> let's see, uh, where, let's see if I can, 
go. You know, it's okay. at some point too. I want to touch on the seventy-four percent that are. Oh yeah, that magic seventy-four percent. Um, let me say that um, not having to go to the numbers per se, uh, but let's say um, seventy-year-olds and younger, but more specifically, you know, five-year-olds and younger. Um, about 45%, I believe it is, were coming, or, or higher even, uh, were coming back and testing out when they were old enough to be tested at standard IQ tests with an IQ of between 148 and 152. Now, most of your teachers say that genius begins at about 132. So we've got this huge group of kids coming in, 148 to 150. And, and what I found that, that excites me is that the younger, the better. <laughs> and those kids who had their near-death experience between birth and 15 months, so we're talking teeny tiny. Almost all of those came back, you know, when they were old enough to take the test, were getting <laughs> IQs 160 and above, almost all of them. I mean, it's just, whoo, these kids are coming back really, really smart. So let's look at that 74% because this is gonna really challenge you. Certainly most of those, these kids just have fits in school. It's like, they know more than the kids, they know more than the teacher, they know more than the principal, and they're bored out of their tree in school. Okay, let's look at that magic 74%, because this is, this is um, it, with this whole study, 397 people, this is a major study. Seventy-four percent were able to be there and became very, very successful in life. A number of them became millionaires. I mean, success. That same seventy-four percent were inclined to suicide ideation, 74%. They say that near-death experiences um, tend to pull people away from suicide or wanting to commit suicide or idealizing suicide. That's never been correct, by the way. If you get into real studies, there's always, you know, a certain percentage, maybe about 5%, 6% do try or want to try suicide after because they want to get back. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, you know, my own personal experience, I can't see how anybody wouldn't entertain the idea of suicide to enter back into that realm with a, a clear mind i've thought about it but not because i was depressed but because yeah. i'm just so damn curious and to have that process under my control is you know a, a thoughtful thing i'm, I'm, I'm glad i'm not going through with it right now but young kids that do this what we do is we put them on drugs uh, oh dear 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 well, what, what, what we're, we're finding here is that um, we need to look more carefully at how children process things. Number one, the average child will look at, ah, when they were dead, when they were on the other side, Life was just so beautiful and it was so wonderful and so loving. And they weren't breathing. 
They were in this loving, beautiful world when they weren't breathing. Now that they're breathing again, they're not in that beautiful world anymore. So they miss that world and they want to go back. They do not think of suicide as bad or harmful. They don't think of how it would um, um, affect parents or anybody else. They just want to go back to that loving world. They don't realize that you can get back there through affirmations. You know, if, if you get um, the new kids and near-death experiences, in the back of that is a very large resource section. And it gives you things you can do, easy and simple, that will help these children integrate their experiences. And that's one of them, is just to teach visualization to them. Um, that, that's an easy, quick way <laughs> of getting back there and stay there for a little while and then come back. And, and be in this world. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a whole chapter in the book, PTSD uh, versus NDEs, uh, because that's something we have to look at at all age levels, but especially the very youngest. And it's because the various young, uh, they have this, this challenge of being homesick for heaven. They're just homesick for heaven. They just want to go back. It's not a matter of curiosity. They're just homesick for heaven. Um, but, but these young kids, so many of them, so many of them come back really interested in doing things, really interested in business, really interested in science, really in, in interested in finding out what, what works and how it works. Um, the little ones, very seldom, you know, you can run across them, but very seldom do they get into this love and light thing. In fact, <laughs> IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, um, at most of their meetings and big conferences, the main... Um, uh, desire or, or, or what's talked about the most is this idea of love and light and they're talking about love and they're talking about light and all these and healing and all this kind of thing and the, and, and the kids meaning birth to the age of five are bored silly they want out and I'm, I'm speaking of these child experiences that are, are now older um, they're bored with that kind of stuff sorry they're bored they want to know who, um, how to make things work and um, how they can participate in, um, in getting to the bottom of things. There's a, there's a, a chapter in the book um, on uh, historical cases. And you'll be amazed <laughs> at the scientists who had near-death experiences and, and, and afterward, took that curiosity, that knowing, that desire, and put it to work and became outstanding scientists that we, we all love and hold dear today. So um, it, it's a whole different bailiwick. It's a whole different way of looking at life. Um, one of the things I did to help parents, <laughs> I love this, to help parents, is get on Amazon.com look for animal light series the animal light series it's a series of six little books i wrote for parents so they can sit down with their kids i'm, I'm forgetting their deaf kids any kids they sit down with their kids and and they can read together and study together and play together and laugh together about each of these books has a different animal and that animal is in the light. It comes into the mommy's womb or his pocket place and stays there and is born. And, and the different issues of birth. And the reason I wrote these books, the Animal Light series, is so parents would have a way to sit down with their kids and say, 
do you have memories like Busy Betty Wiggles? And, and the kids then can connect. Um, it gives the parents a chance to ask the right questions. Right. It's the Animal Life series. It's about um, skunks and hedgehogs and fawns and monkeys and, and kittens, all, all kinds of critters. And uh, for instance, Winnie Rolls Around is about a horse and he's born with a twisted leg and he learns how to do tricks. There's Busy Betty Wiggles, she's a monkey. The joy of life, that parents were once babies too. Oops, a baby, that's a skunk. A big tail falls off and feels different. Tommy Two Toes, he's a fawn. Miscarriage, the twin that died then comes back and helps him learn how to walk. Uh, Wee Wee Willikins, that's a hedgehog. He was too small and, and, and I was very afraid about that. Sally Susie Q is a kitten and um, too many babies and she, she tended to suffocate in the womb. Um, so it, it gives parents to take the um, award-winning artist, by the way, and she's Eva Sullivan, and, and, and to take all of these issues and all of these animals and all of these babies. Really good because I, I think a lot of I think a lot of parents are are basically sort of lost on this subject because it's something it's, parents can use. Yeah, it's well. After. I I think most parents, if you stop and think about it, in today's world, they're so busy just keeping shoes on their kids and food on the table. So it's good somebody like yourself and, and myself too. I. I, I'm in a position where I can do research and get sort of pretty esoteric kinds of information and synthesize it down into uh, a linguistic form that, yeah. you know, Mabel and Joe over here that goes bowling, they can read it and go, hmm, that sounds interesting. And then they can dive into it a little deeper. But it's oh. interesting to find the right words. Another thing that many of these kids come back with and the percentage is high, is stenesthesia. Let me talk about stenesthesia. That's an elaboration of the limbic system in the brain. That's where our senses come from. And so these are kids born with multiple senses or different types of sense uh, responses. And it's a mixing of senses too, right? A mixing of senses. Let me give you an example. I was born with synesthesia. No, I'm not a near-death kid. <laughs> I had my near-death experiences when I was older, um, but I was born with it. So I was the only child in school who could smell color, see music, and hear numbers. I spent most of the first grade being punished for lying. I had to sit on a tall stool wearing a tall conical hat that said dunce on it as an example of a bad child who told lies. I got, I was so angry by the end of first grade that I decided I was never going to be an adult when I grew up because adults are stupid. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever got over it. <laughs> but uh, stenesthesia is a big deal. Really, really right. big. Um, Dyslexia, uh, we need to know about synesthesia with children and abstracting with children. Absolutely. Do, do you think near-death experiences are happening more or are we just paying more attention? More. And the reason I ask this, even in the Bible, it talks about these kind of days mm -hmm. and where a lifting of the veil or the veil gets thinner between dimensions. And it seems like um, everything is changing. Sort of like in the Wizard of Oz, it's interesting that a dog pulls back the curtain. Yeah, once once we've pulled back the curtain, yeah, the, the reality that we're seeing, not only is it not what we thought it was, but it's not as fearful. Matter of fact, it's being ruled and the agendas are held by really, really just weak, fearful people. And I, I think a lot of this, what's happening with near-death experiences 
is because that veil is getting pulled back and getting thinner. And it's interesting to see what young kids are well, talking about. You know, uh, bear in mind that we have more and more high tech medicine and surgery and different kinds of medicine that is bringing back kids that normally would have died. And these kids they're bringing back are made for high tech. Right. So, so I look at that and think, oh, we are literally creating the kids we need. <laughs> and it's also interesting too, now we know that sometimes when they have these near-death experiences, there's no brain activity, which means oh, 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 that yeah, it's not often. just a figment of their imagination. Oh, no, often, 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 yes. That's one of so, the... Yeah, I, I think we have uh, about 15 more minutes, something like that. I, I need to I need to drag you into this PMH. Okay, okay. I'll be drugged. Okay, because okay. this is uh, personally, I'd like to, to know how you oh, feel well, about this. We do. I, I, I want to tell everybody really, really quick. My website is www.pmhatwater.com. I produce a free monthly newsletter. August just went out today. So get on my newsletter. <clears throat> if you're interested, or on my website, go over to newsletters, sign up, it's free. Um, and for today's issue, you need to get into the archive to see it. Um, but it's, news, it's a newsletter for the curious. So right. if you're curious, you're gonna love my newsletters. <laughs> yeah, I noticed your, your archives your archives are pretty extensive. I think it goes back to like 2004 at least, you know. Oh, oh did, you, did you go venturing through my archive? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet you had fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It uh, covers a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Here's, what I'm, here's what I'd like to get into just to- and it, Okay, let's go. I, I'm gonna put links to everything that we're talking about and your okay. website and all that. Thank you. Um, and I'd, I'd like to do a special thanks to Inner Traditions too, because oh, they have yeah. the greatest books. I oh, I think they're the only books I read anymore. You know, they they have authors that are really coming out with new information that when you're reading, you go, "Huh, I never thought of that before." And yeah, and that's not true with some of the big publishing houses and really famous authors. I can read their book and I can tell you exactly the last ten books that they read. And they synthesized all that information into a new book, basically. But there's nothing new there. Oh, Inner Traditions God. has a, a better collection of authors. So anyway, what I'd, what I'd like to bring up okay. is, and this gets out there a ways, and I have a oh. feeling that's where you live sometimes. So I, I think we're going to be okay. Uh, when I was talking to Bruce Lipton years ago, we, we got into this pretty deeply, uh, uh, genetics and our genome and our genetic. When I was talking to Greg Braden, I brought that up. He says, well, I can take it even a little bit further. He says, when you go back in time, there was a time in our genetic past where it's definitely taken a, a, a switch from the normal Homo erectus to Homo sapiens and now Homo sapiens sapiens. He said, there is a time in our past when our lineage actually did have uh, 48 chromosomes yeah. and, it's, and it suddenly changed. And he said, if you look at it in the lab, they took four of those chromosomes, pulled them apart, put them back together. And he said, they, what's curious is they even took the telomeres off the ends so that wouldn't interfere. And when it overlapped, any redundancy was clicked off. He said that only happens in a lab. He says, nobody wants to think about this, but that had to happen in a, a very advanced lab with genetic processing and everything. He says, we're just barely getting there now with CRISPR and things like this. So here's my question. Personally, I, I think as we look back, I, I think our genome has been uh, genetically altered and I remember in one of your lectures, you start talking about the Basque people. Oh, there, yeah. There are some of our genetic lines that oh, oh. just don't match. They even no. have a language that doesn't have the have same the root. X blood type. Anybody who has the X blood, blood type is not of this world. Right. 
So I, I with that, take let me take, take that off. I want to get your your feedback on that information. And, and I guess even now with what's happening now, I, I just I just seen the weirdest thing on CNN. There, and I don't like to get in politics, but they got onto Trump because Trump brought up alien DNA and demon uh, semen. And oh, I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, yeah. we're getting into a really strange area right now with what's going on. Well, that's because Trump's desperate. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they all are. I hear they you. all are. You know, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know it's going to be one of the most important elections of all time. The. Yeah. And I can tell you astrologically why. Why? We are now in the Pluto return. People can have astrological charts, but so can countries. The astrological chart for the United States, we're looking at that and we're seeing that Pluto in its orbit is now coming back to the place where we were born. Its placement in our chart, when I say our, the United States of America. So it's coming back to its place. And that's like around 19 or 2034 or something? No, it's actually 2022. Really? Okay. But because the influence of Pluto is so massively huge, I mean, it may be a little dwarf, but forget that. It's massively huge. Uh, it will cover our nation from 20, 2020 through 2024. So we're in, the, we're in the Pluto return right now. Um, and, and people say um, about the president, you know, who do you want, whatever, uh, who are you going to vote for? And I say, quite honestly, it doesn't matter who you vote for, they lose. Doesn't matter whether you vote for Trump or Biden, they lose. They being who? But Trump and Biden, they lose. No matter who the victor is, they lose. Because our country is going through a complete, total change. Pluto means death of the old, birth of the new. There's no middle ground with Pluto. Either really great or really awful. No middle ground. That's where we are. Yep. And that shows but up in the polarization, country, too. It could easily become a socialist country. I mean, that's where it's headed under Biden. Right. Um, or, you know, it, again, it doesn't matter who wins because they actually lose. Um, so uh, what I tell everybody is to, is to get more into what's called the Love Project principles or things like that, uh, where um, you realize that uh, be the change you want to see happen. I mean, it's putting it on our backs. It's not out there presidential. It's on our backs. Be the change you want to see happen instead of trying to change everybody else. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of people are coming to grips with is we are no longer spectators in what's going on. We are participants. We're down on the field playing the game. It's up to us. Yep. Yeah, I, I tell people sometimes, they say, well, there's no justice in the world. I say, there is, but you have to learn how to spell it. It's just us. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really urge everybody to get the August edition of the newsletter because I, I, I cover this kind of thing and especially the Love Project principles. There are, there are seven of them. And, and they're game, cha game changers for all of us. And they're all simple. Um, it, they're, they're fabulous. Do you have any talks or lectures or shows or expos coming up? 
well, certainly the, the International Association of Near Death Studies is having their great big conference. Um, it's, I believe, August um, 14, 15, 16, I think. So you want to get on um, their website, iands.org, O-R-G, um, and ask about conference. Get on there okay. right away. Uh, I talk on August 15, which is Saturday in the morning. And I'm going to be talking on, you're going to love this over so your audience. I'm going to be talking about the near-death cases of Walter Russell. Walter Russell, as far as I'm concerned, has had um, the most unusual near-death experiences I've ever run across. Uh, he had a near-death experience every seven years throughout his life or nearly so, until he was 49. When he was 49, he entered into full illumination, full light. He was there for 39 days and nights without abating. When he came back, he couldn't even hold a pencil. He was so out there. His and name is, that, his name his is Walter. Tried to have Walt him committed to an insane asylum. And it took a while for him to get it all back. And when he did, um, he and his, his new wife, Leo Russell, uh, put together the University of Science and Philosophy. Their museum today is in Waynesboro, Virginia. Uh, so you want the Walter Russell Museum in Waynesboro, Virginia. Um, visit it if you can. But he, what he came back with is an understanding of creation and the world like nobody else. Okay. I haven't seen anybody who can match him or, or come close. Uh, he wrote the book, The Universal One. He got all of that from just being in the light. Read it and have your mind blown. Yeah, I'm going to check him out. Fabulous. Yep. Wow. This hour went way what? too quick. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll have to do this again sometime. Sure. Um, We'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. I, I know time can be pretty uh, limiting, although lately we have seem to be having more time. But I... Uh, <laughs> Appreciate your time and your expertise and all the stuff you've done with helping children and helping parents understand what's going on is important in today's world. Well, One was, more time. I was told to do this when I died the third time. Your, your, web, your website is pmhnde.com? No, my website is pmhatwater.com. Oh, atwater.com. At Last okay. name is Atwater. Just think of being at the water. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of your face. I was thinking of your Facebook page, which is PMHNDE. All right. Stuff out everywhere. <laughs> well, thank you, and you, you have I a great day. You and your audience. God bless you all. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye bye.